I'm Aria Schwartz, along with Rachel Galligan and Gabe Ibrahim, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. Today, we're talking post-draft power rankings. our show please consider joining our patreon community for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w today we're talking post-draft power rankings how the the power structure of the WNBA has changed since this historic first ever virtual draft that happened uh just a few days ago gabe i don't know if the fans remember but we 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 had a show with the three of us a few weeks back uh, during free agency period, and we talked about power rankings, and uh, we kind of debated who we felt was in what place and whatnot. Do you want to give a little recap and then explain what we're doing on this one? Yeah. Uh, well, hello, everybody. We haven't talked since the draft. Um, but I actually wanted to point out uh, that podcast happened on February 18th, which feels like eight years ago. Um, so, like, I, not much has right it's like not much has changed in the league like on our roster sheets and our salary sheets other than the draft picks um but a lot has changed in our world since our last uh go around at this so um just to remind everyone i had four tiers last time um the top tier was uh dc la seattle and connecticut but this was before the courtney williams trade so that was my top tier. My second tier was uh, Vegas, Phoenix, Chicago. My fourth tier, um, I believe, was Atlanta, Indiana, Minnesota. Then my last tier was Dallas, New York, something like that. Um, so I think the the three biggest changes from that time to now were the Courtney Williams deal, like I mentioned, uh, the Tina Charles trade, which happened earlier this week, and the draft. Um, and I think also just my sort of thinking about some of these teams has crystallized, especially with all the great analysis that has been out there on these roster moves since then. Um, but so let's start with my top tier. Um, last time I called this the championship contenders. I'm not calling, I'm not going to have names for these this time because I don't think it's, I don't think names are as applicable to this group. But so my first tier is, uh, the Mystics and the Storm, I think they are the two best teams in the league. I think when you look at their rosters, it's just so complete, so rich with talent, so much continuity um, that, you know, you have great coaching staffs that are just going to be able to get on, hit the ground running whenever we have a season. Um, so I think those two are at the top, and then I have a second tier of the Sparks and the Sun, who are championship contenders to me, but just lack that continuity, that championship pedigree, that or or um, just the, the the feeling that this team is ready to hit the ground running uh, whenever the season starts, especially if there's a short training camp. I I do want to hop in there because I, I maybe this is going to come as a shocker to some people, but I'm not sold on the Mystics. Now I believe on the last time. 
I believe the last time we spoke about this, I did give him the benefit of the doubt and say, you know what? You're the defending champs. You're in this tier till you give me a reason to believe you're not. Now, maybe it's the asterisk of overseas players possibly not being able to come over this season and the fear of Emma Miesemann and losing her and what that does to this team. But honestly, I'm looking at this roster. I do, and, and you know, or I, I'm just going to say this. I don't feel any of the teams were so shifted, especially these top tiers. Maybe when you get a little bit lower, they were shifted more by the draft. But I don't think any of these these draft picks really changed who we're talking about in these top tiers. Maybe it's because they didn't really get top picks. But for me, it's the Storm and the Sparks are the top teams uh, in championship contenders, championship aspirations uh, for, for this roster. I mean, if you look at the Storm, they're essentially the team from 2018 with a few tweaks and if you look at the sparks they're a team that has really filled the needs the needs that they had this past season and added in some amazing talent and leadership so for me i i you know the adding of tina charles is great and all but i have a lot of questions on how that's going to work on the hardwood yeah i i agree sorry i was was gonna throw it to rachel because like we haven't we haven't heard her on this podcast talk about the tina charles tree well i just have a i just have a quick comment i i vehemently disagree with the sparks being in just that top two tier. I agree there. They have to be in the discussion of contention. Um, they're in that next discussion for me. I, I just don't think they've proven enough, especially after last year that they're ready between the ears to go win a championship is the talent there. Of course. Uh, but I do think that, and I mean, we've, I've, I've talked about this round and round um, between the ears and the growth and the chemistry with this team, they've got a long way to go. I think for me, it, it's hard to, to deny the Mystics, um, but I put the Sun up there. I do. I, I have them up there as, as the top two teams. I think, yes, you lose Courtney Williams, uh, but you add two-time WNBA champion Duana Bonner. I think they're better. Um, they're hungry. They're motivated from last year. We've seen this team continue to evolve. Um, and, and I'm not trying to shortchange the Storm and their dominance from two years ago. It's just the return of Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart. Um, I don't know what that looks like and how they're going to respond from injuries. Um, obviously, they could blow. They could come back and just be as dominant as they were two years ago. I just bumped them down a tier because we don't know how that is going to necessarily respond in some ways. So that's kind of my my, my take from what, what you both So think. So who's your top tier, Rachel? The Mystics and the Sun. Okay. <laughs> Rachel, you're crazy. You're crazy. No, no. I, I, I actually like the the sun pick on that one. I'll, I'll give you that. And I think you know maybe I'm having buyer's remorse on the Sparks, or maybe it's just because they signed the greatest player in WNBA history. You already know who it is. Um, but I will say, like, and by the way, as we record this episode, happy birthday to the goat, ah! Simone Augustus. Um, but I, I do think I, I probably would put the Sparks in a similar situation to the Aces of last offseason, if you get what I'm saying, where it's like yeah. they added this talent and they're sitting there and you're like, wow, this roster can win a championship. But there's other elements that go into a championship besides that. So I will I will kneel down to both Rachel and Gabe's take huh. on the Sparks. And uh, and yeah, Gabe, go. Yeah, no, and I did want to. I did want to. Uh, I forgot to mention like exactly what I mean when I say a tier, um, and what that difference, like what what it actually means. So when I think of a tier, and I'm stealing this from any number of 
basketball or sports related podcasts that also use tiers. Um, but it's that there's a meaningful difference between teams in a different tier. So what I'm saying when I say DC and Seattle are in my top tier is that those two teams are like, I could say I, I probably pick DC as the better team, but I'm really, really having to strain to pick the hairs to figure out the differences in my mind between the teams. I think they're both of relative equal, um, value in this discussion about whether they can win a championship. And then when I say there's a difference between DC and Seattle and LA and, uh, and Connecticut, that's, um, again, I could, I could be saying LA is better than Connecticut, but really what I'm saying is I think LA and Connecticut are in that very same group of teams that have an equal chance to win a title because of those reasons that I mentioned. Um, but I think when you look at these rosters, you know, I think we all got into that, like all the rosters are so good. Uh, you can look at any Connecticut, LA, DC, and Seattle and say, wow, that's a championship team. Um, so, you know, we are splitting hairs a bit more than usual with tiers, but for me, it was just a meaningful difference between DC and Seattle and everyone else, because I believe in that cult in their cultures. Um, yeah. And I think, well, I want to add to that and just say another aspect that goes to it is, is besides, I know you were talking about the powerhouses of these rosters that we're talking about, but also... I think for for the Sun, at least, something that kind of tweaks my view of them being contenders, and maybe this is a recency bias, where I for so long have viewed the Sun, and one of their greatest strengths is having that history together, being together for so long, um, that maybe I don't give them the respect that I should. Mm -hmm. That being said, I understand why that respect goes to the Storm and the Mystics. Yes, the Mystics have lost two players and gained one essentially throughout this off season. Um, but those are two teams where I hear what you're saying. They're two teams that have that consistency as far as the roster and the coaching and all that jazz, that, that really gives you a sense of security, something that you don't necessarily have in a lot of these other teams that have made more splashes this off season, which also saying teams that have made more splashes this off season is crazy to say when you're talking about the mystics, you've got <laughs> Tina Charles, right? Right. And that, that's not even like a top five acquisition. Um, I actually wanted now, now you brought, you brought up something that I've been thinking about a lot, just about continuity in the WNBA, how important that is. And this could, that could be like a whole podcast, but I actually want to ask Rachel, like when you're coaching a basketball team, like just how important is it to have continuity and people who have played together and people who have coached together and people who just like know each other, like how much does that make a difference in competing for a title? Well, I mean, you know, I think you could look at that at two ways. I mean, there's obviously no hard answer, but you could look at the sun and the continuity that they had had um, those few years and what they had built with that consistent roster. Um, and then you could look at a situation like the Atlanta Dream when Nikki Collin took over that job and that first year it kind of revitalized this group and, and there wasn't a ton of continuity. It was a, it was a change up. So it, it can go both ways, but I do think that across the board consistency is key in terms of what you're what you're preaching what you're saying as a coach um your philosophies what you're teaching day in and day out how how your your workouts are going with your position coaches i mean that's how individuals get better that's how teams get better um and, and evolving as a team and, and building that chemistry and building that um consistency of playing together and and really going through the highs and the lows you know for a few years of tough losses and big big wins and, and just that experience as a group i think is just invaluable um and it's really hard to 
when you've built that together, you've built that culture um, amongst your team. I think that's a really, really dominant, it can be a really dominant force. Um, so I respect what you're saying, especially about, you know, franchises like Seattle, because, you know, we, we'd be crazy to not consider them in, in the category of contention because of the continuity, the consistency. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, in short, that, that's kind of my response to that. I think that um, the teams that have the most consistency are, um, at the top and, and the teams that are, that don't are at the bottom. And, and I think if you step back and look at the league as a whole, that's what we're seeing right now. Even, even a team like Atlanta that really blew up the roster and, and needed to, um, ha- really made aggressive changes and who knows what could happen. I mean, it could end up being, who knows, a, a playoff deep run into the, into the <laughs> playoff type of team, or it could be an atomic bomb. Who yeah. knows? You know, it's just, it's a huge question mark with a lot of these teams, especially in the the middle to lower half of the league. Well, I'll say this, you know, you might not know where they're going to end as far as the season, but we know it would be amazing reality TV if you follow around that Atlanta Dream roster. Um, One thing that I don't think we talked about quickly, I know we're dragging on about this uh, (laughs) here. With With the Storm, something that always comes to mind when I think about them, we haven't really touched on this and we talked about it. During our here's a here's a shameless plug for our uh, post draft live stream when we had a plethora of mm-hmm. players and coaches come on, talking to Dan Hughes, head coach of the Seattle Storm, talking to him, you know about the growth of somebody like Mercedes Russell in Jordan Canada last season when they had those injuries. To me, that is so like we can talk about you know when the Mystics traded a draft pick to get Tina Charles and and. They traded a draft pick for a a super established player. We can also look at Seattle and say, hey, they might not have had the splash during the draft or really during the offseason, but they didn't really need to because the growth that they got in those players during this past season due to injury on almost a wash of a season, even though it didn't turn out that way as as far as they played, but is, is almost more valuable than getting a good draft pick. I'll take you know, mm-hmm. a sophomore or a third year, a junior player who has made ridiculous growth over their sophomore season over having to start fresh with a rookie who isn't a top five pick. No, I totally agree. I, I think, you know, it's like, it, it's like they picked up two MVP, Seattle in particular, picked up two MVPs, right? Super, uh, Brian Stewart. They also picked up another MVP candidate in Natasha Howard, who was defensive player of the year last year. You look at, I mean, Alicia Clark, Jordan Canada, like you mentioned, Mercedes Russell, like you mentioned, like that is an unbelievable group of people who have been together, who have been to war together, who understand how to play with each other and how to rely on each other. And that organizational continuity um, to bring it back to the tiers, that's pretty much what separated uh, DC and Seattle from LA and Connecticut in this group of extremely talented teams. So to move on to my next group of teams, uh, so past the top four, um, if I had to categorize these teams in a way, it'd probably be, um, you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if these teams win the title, but uh, I'm not picking them. You know, I wouldn't pick them in any form of the season. Uh, You're not but putting they, your money on them. I, I may put my money on them. It depends, right? I mean, my money is based on the odds, but um, the these teams are not the teams I pick. Oh yeah, man, always parlaying. Um, but you, these t- these teams are just like not that I would I'm not picking them. But if you told me they won the title, I wouldn't be that surprised. And that'd be uh, Vegas, Chicago, and Phoenix. I think all three of those teams. Uh, Chicago is really relying on continuity, like we were just talking about. 
Um, I think they they also get a little bit better with Azrae Stevens. Their bench is really solid. Uh, as long as everyone stays healthy, I think they're going to be competitors all year. Uh, Vegas, obviously, huge acquisition in Angel McCautry. Lots of questions of how that's going to work on the court. But you look at their starting lineup. I put this on paper today just to see it. Uh, you know, Kelsey Plum, Kayla McBride, Angel McCautry, Asia Wilson, Liz Campage. That's maybe, you know, that that's arguably the best starting lineup in the league, talent-wise. Um, and... So I think they're going to compete. Phoenix, obviously, again, they acquire uh, Skylar Diggins-Smith. They have Diana Taurasi. They have Brittany Griner. Again, really great starting lineup. Concerned a little bit about the depth. I think the the common thread with all these teams is just there's a fit issue in Vegas. Chicago, there's a ceiling issue. I'm not sure how much better this team can get, and everyone around them got better. Um, And Phoenix is uh, just a team that I'm concerned about what they have past Diggins, Tarasi, and Griner. And, you know, this is not like a trio of players that doesn't ever get hurt. So I'm just concerned about their injury and the, the timing of the season. And, you know, they're relying a lot on Bria Hartley. So um, I just put those three teams there. I think they're going to be clear playoff teams, uh, but they all have really big question marks that haven't been answered for me yet. Yeah. And, and I kind of view this slightly differently. Obviously our, our tiers are, are personally viewed and and very different um in in a variety of ways for me like the second tier of the mystics and the sun i like i spoke about before the mystics i could see them bumping up to the top tier the sun it's continuity and how this is going to work um talking about the sky mercury and aces i mean i it's interesting though because we might have them slightly separated in individual tiers of of small differences but we basically have the same groupings uh minus a few spot positions with the mystics um but talking about the aces the aces are an interesting team because if we've watched it you know we had a a great interview with uh derica hamby which is going to come live in a in a little bit but we're going to save that for some a different day a little sneak peek right there um but something about the aces just doesn't rub me right i mean last year i i honestly if if i would have liked this team more if they would have doubled down on their roster picked up a shooter instead of angel and just doubling down on this idea of like, we're not going to be a team that's going to kill you shooting. We're going to double down on, on paint points. We're going to double down on, on what we've been consistently doing just doesn't work for me. I want to see how this team works, but I also question the idea of having Asia and Liz on the court at the same time. And I, I, the more I just honestly, I think this Aces team is going to take a step back unless you have a head coach. And I think Bill's capable of doing this, but unless you have a head coach who's going to step forward and say, you know what? Yeah, we have all these superstars, but I'm not necessarily going to play them all together. Some of my superstars are going to have to get used to playing off the bench. And if you, if that's the, t- that's the Aces we're talking about, heck I'll bump them up to winning the championship uh, uh, tier. But if we're talking about a, a, a team that, is going to consistently be set on, you know, getting minutes and putting out all the superstars onto the roster. In fact, shout out to Sue Bird and Mega Rapino. They were talking about the differences between a basketball roster makeup and a soccer roster makeup. And kind of in soccer, how you can say, we're going to put all the superstars on, move them to positions that aren't necessarily their best because it's important to have these players out there. And that doesn't really work in basketball and that's i think is a in a nutshell the issue that the aces are going to have 
with the sky, I'm I'm right with you, Gabe. How are they going to raise what their ceiling is? And honestly, it's on the back of Diamond to Shields. Can this team play better and grow without adding the pieces that we've seen the teams around them in that similar tier and that similar landscape mm-hmm. too? And then with the Mercury, I just think they're putting so much more weight on Brittany Griner, which I do not think the answer is for this team to win another championship. I like I. Rachel knows how I feel about Brittany Griner. She's an amazing player, and sorry, this is going to get me a lot of flack, hasn't lived up to potential. That's all I got to say. <laughs> That's a bold take from coming from someone who's as dominant as Brittany Griner, yeah. especially last season. But I, but, but you know what I'm saying, right, Rachel? Like, I'm not saying she is an amazing player, isn't a top player in this league, but, like, she didn't live up to potential. She doesn't give it well, 110%. Yeah, I mean, with what she has been gifted with, you know, she – I think many, many people understand what you're saying and would understand that she could be doing a lot more at times. And it sometimes can be a little bit passive. But man, when Brittany Griner's got that fire lit under oh, her, <laughs> nobody can stop her. So I, I do think that that's always going to be a part of the Phoenix makeup, but she's she's won a championship before. And anytime you've got Tarazi on the roster, I, I love, first off, I, I love what you guys have both said. I agree with a lot of the takes you've had. Gabe, I really agree with kind of the positioning of some of these teams. Um, I think that with Phoenix, I'm really excited about Skylar Diggins-Smith being added to this roster. They, they needed a big-time change with a big-time name to kind of revitalize this. Um, obviously, some question marks with how that looks, how that dynamic looks, the health of Tarazi. You know, I, I just don't know. That's a question mark. Um, it could go a lot of different ways, in my opinion, where we're talking about this as a healthy, dominant team, or it could just be kind of a cluster. Um, I, I think that the Las Vegas thing is interesting. And I, for, on, I want to go on record and just say, you know, when Liz Cambage was traded there, I 100% jumped the gun of talking about Vegas being my preseason favorite. Um, I, that was, was, was really irresponsible with that because when you step back and you really think about it, and everything we're talking about with consistency. And I mean, we're all learning as, as you know, we, we continue to cover the league and as a coach and as a basketball mind. Um, it taught me a lot about how you can have a team full of so many um, dominant players and, and some some major names and, and unlike any any other team. But but it, it shows you that finding that fit and that cohesiveness um, obviously is, is very much a challenge. And, and that's what we saw with Vegas. And, and I think you add Angel McCautry. I love Angel's game. I have no idea how she's going to respond from this injury. Um, so that could go one of two ways. I think what makes this free agency in this conversation probably more unique than it ever has been in the past is we've never seen this much movement before. Um, so probably now more than ever, there's just massive question marks. You know, we're speculating about everything. But Vegas, I, I think they have a lot of growing up to do. You know, they, they, they need to mature as a team. I think you've got some individuals that need to mature mentally. Um, I think they have to get tougher, uh, which is interesting because, you know, you're, you're coached by Bill Lambeer and, and I think he has done a great job in instilling some of that toughness, but I do think that, um, you know, you, that takes time, you know, that takes time playing together. That takes some tough losses. Um, you know, we're watching the, the, the bulls documentary, right. And it talked about Jordan and all them like, get, like getting beat by Detroit and they were so mad. Well, they had to get tougher. And when I look at Vegas, like I immediately thought of Las Vegas and I thought they've got to get tougher between the ears. If they're going to truly be in this contention category. Um, I do think they have the tools. 
to go win it all. I, I'm not as yeah. concerned about the Liz and Asia duo, um, but they're yeah. they have to get they have to get tougher. Um, and, and Chicago, I do think got got better in the draft. Um, I think that there were some holes on the Chicago roster that needed depth, whether that was going to be at the four forward position or at the point guard. Um, you know, they obviously got Ruthie Hebert, which I think she has a um, big time potential in, in, in the league and has, has a long career ahead of her. I think she's a great compliment to um, a lot of the diamond to shields, um, Allie, um, Courtney, you know, they, she, she can definitely play alongside them and could make a mark right away, but I agree. It, 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 it lies on the shoulders of diamond to shield. And she take this team to the next level because, you know, you know, Allie's going to bring it, you know, Courtney's going to bring it. They need that kind of staple, uh, franchise player to take that next step. And this is the year to do it. Um, but I, you know, I, I so I, I agree with the positioning with you guys. That's just kind of my thoughts on those three teams in particular. No, I agree. I agree with a lot of that. Uh, the only thing I really don't agree with was Arya's take on Brittany Griner. But that's like a that's a whole. I might I might write a whole article about how big people are uh, compared to an impossible standard because it happens all the time. Like it happen it happens in the NBA all the time where you're just so big that you're never going to be considered good enough. Um, which is and it might it might be fair too, honestly. Um, uh, no, here's here's my thing. And first of all, I would love for you to write that article. I am never above being proven that I'm wrong you know like I say this all the time Shakina Strickland is a perfect example she was a player that I constantly talked down upon constantly was like she's not as good as the hype blah 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 started to to really study some tape on her had Rachel educate me on some things that she was doing focused on her for a whole season and then I was like all right I'm I'm wrong you know what and and I gotta take that similarly to Steph Dolson I have my issues with her game whatever but when you watch it and you look at the stats, she's doing things that help her team win and doing positive things. My thing with BG is coming into this league, everyone knew how over-the-top talented she was, and you just see a lot of a lot of stupid fouls, a lot of games where she fouls out and puts herself in bad positions into a foul hole or, or something like mm-hmm. that. And just I don't see the dominance that I that I really truly think. I I just every year I tell myself. She hasn't hit her potential yet. Yes, yeah. she's been amazing. Yes, she's an MVP caliber player every game or every season. But I, I still think there's a level that we haven't seen from Brittany yeah. Griner. No, that that's uh, I'll save that for the article um, because we have we have we have to motor through. I think we're gonna have a lot of discussion on my next tier, uh, tier four. So we are what we are seven teams in. So we are seven teams in. We have uh, I have three tiers. I think all of you have three tiers. Um, the, the next tier for me is a one team tier. And I think it's the most interesting tier of them all. It's at the Atlanta dream. Um, we, we've mentioned this, uh, uh, Rachel mentioned this earlier, um, that this could just be, you know, an amazing team that has a lot, ton of swag, plays great defense, plays for each other. Nikki Collin gets it rolling again, um, after, you know, a rough year last year, um, or, they could be a complete train wreck because, you know, these personalities don't mix or stuff is going wrong, et cetera, et cetera. So this is, to me, by far the most interesting team in the league. Obviously, they're, for me, oh, I did want to mention Phoenix did trade for Shatori Walker-Kimbrough in the draft. We did talk about that, but I think that's a really big addition to their bench. 
Um, and it solidifies them further into that third tier. I just wanted to mention that because I forgot to. But I for Atlanta, for Atlanta, this is like the first team for me that really took um that really changed because of the draft. Kennedy Carter is a star. Um, I, I think she's gonna be a star. Little Wayne's tweeting about her. Um, you know, so many people were excited about her being in Atlanta. I think she is a great player. I think she's a shot maker. I think she's a personality. I think she's going to be a star in this league, both on and off the court. But I am a little bit concerned about her playing with Courtney Williams, Tiffany Hayes. Um, that's a hell of a that's a hell of a defensive backcourt when everyone's talking and everyone everyone's communicating when everyone's on the same page. Uh, if that doesn't happen, what are you going to do? And you know where does Renee Montgomery fit into all of this? And how much of a how much of a steady, stabilizing influence can she be? Because there's just definitely going to be some games where Kennedy Carter is missing shots, Courtney Williams missing shots, and Tiffany Hayes is missing shots, and someone has to do something. And there has to. I'm looking for that stabilizing force on the roster. And there's some candidates. Obviously, I just mentioned Renee Montgomery. There's Glory Johnson. There's Elizabeth Williams. But how strongly do I feel about those players being able to pick up the slack when these really tough shot makers? Who, who make tough shots aren't those shots aren't falling so who who picks up the slack who gets the locker room in check if there's problems um so it's just a fascinating team uh, i think they're extremely talented i think they should make the playoffs and frankly i think they could make some noise um if they get there and they're they're fully intact mentally and physically uh, so what i'll say about that is i completely agree right next to the dream i wrote might have moved the most from the draft, but I still think it will take some gelling and a lot of question marks. If I'm a betting guy and you really, really want to make some money on this, I feel like you put the money on the dream to do something big just because the odds are against you. So, you, so Gabe, you know what I'm talking about? Like you're going to make some bank off this. Um, they are confusing as all hell. I love the roster. I love, you know, I kind of view them as as being very, evenly dispersed on the scoring size and the drive size and, and side, sorry. And, and, and this team, it just, it really could go either way. I am so intrigued, so curious to see where they go. I do want to bring up something uh, just in regards to uh, little Wayne talking about Kennedy Carter. It's interesting. Little Wayne does have a connection to the WNBA. He does have a connection to the Atlanta dream. I believe last time that I know of him being at a game, was when the Lynx were playing in Atlanta in the WNBA Finals, and Little Wayne was kicked out of his courtside seat because he was wearing a Simone Augustus jersey. Shout out to Louisiana! Oh man, he's wearing a Simone. <laughs> he was wearing a Simone Augustus jersey. They asked him to take it off. He refused to take it off, so they asked him to leave. If the story is correct, I would love to get Little Wayne on the show. And uh, and talk about it a little bit more and, and dig into this. It, it's um, definitely he's he's definitely wearing the uh, the jersey. I can I found the picture, amazing, right? Yes, it, it was it was possibly one of the more ridiculous scenes. But I'm all there for it. That's what I'm all about. Yeah. Um, so. but that that's definitely gonna bring a bring a ton of notoriety. I'm just like. So, you know, I, I just find them to be a fascinating team. And we're probably going to need an Atlanta Dream podcast at some point just to talk about how this is going to work on the court. Um, but I think you're right too, Ari. Like, their problem last year was scoring. They still had pretty good – they had good defensive um, numbers. They were just – they couldn't score a basket, and they gave up a ton of offensive rebounds. 
So I think they, they attack both those problems with Glory Johnson and Kalani Brown. Um, and I think, you know, obviously the scoring's there. They definitely have the scoring this year. If the offense is bad this year, something's gone awry. <laughs> um, 100%. But, uh, so that's that's my that's my fourth tier. So th- those would if if this if this power rankings comes to fruition, those would be your um, playoff teams. The play the, the teams that um, we mentioned already would be the teams in the playoffs, and these teams would be the four teams out of the playoffs. So my next um, my next tier is uh, with Indiana and Minnesota. Well, let's talk about the links then. Hit it, Gabe. I think we had this feeling like the sky was falling for them in the off season because of losing Simone because they didn't have a, a point guard because of all this like negative attention. And rightfully so, I think they didn't do a great job in free agency as my grades and all my analysis of them show. But when you look at the roster, it's really not that different from where it was last year. Uh, Simone didn't play last year, so they're not missing her contributions from last year's performance. Uh, Chechi Zandalasini is coming over from uh, from Italy. She's coming. She's coming back. She's now a first team All Euroleague player. So she's taken a really big step forward. I think she'll be huge for them. And there's a potential for Odyssey Sims again being able to play, whereas we thought she probably wouldn't be able to play if the season went on as scheduled. And Sylvia Faust still on this team. The Feast Collier is going to take a big jump. So to me, Minnesota. Um, just in the way I've thought about them is more positive because we're, we're further away from free agency. I still don't like the Rachel Bannon move, but I think they have a lot of talent on this team and both their draft picks, I think really help. Uh, they have three draft picks, excuse me, but the top two draft picks, uh, Makia Herbert Harrigan, I always pronounce her name wrong. Uh, Crystal Dangerfield are two players that could come in and contribute to winning in some way, or at least provide some nice depth for this team. And I think, you know, it's Cheryl Reeve. She's going to be able to put field a competitive team. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but if you told me they made the playoffs, I wouldn't be that surprised. Indiana is sort of in that same – it has the same conclusion. Um, I just think that, you know, they're not they're not a team that uh, makes as much sense yet. Uh, I think they're going to build around Lauren Cox and Tierra McCowan, a, a front court, which I love. I think that's going to be an awesome pairing. Um, but – there's the, you know, it's it just like not structured correctly. And we don't necessarily know what Kelsey Mitchell is going to be. We don't know what Tiffany Mitchell is going to be. Victoria Vivians is coming in. So there's just a lot of moving parts and a lot of players that, um, you know, going back to that continuity thing, they don't have a lot of continuity. So there's not the sort of thing I can hang my hat on. They are a very talented group. I think projecting forward, I really like what the Fever have going on. Um, but this year I see them as, a team that's like not going to, they're just, they're not really going to be able to make the playoffs. And if they do, they'll squeak in. And if they do, it'll be because Lauren Cox is more ready um, than what I'm projecting now. Um, so I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Cause they're, they're just a growing team. And I think they have to make some moves to make the roster make sense. And, you know, both these teams though, they have the bones of a good team, but I'm just not sure they're there yet to compete with this, this, these pieces that they have. I, I like the way that you put this. I mean, I, I definitely would put the Fever and the Lynx in a similar tier. For me, the difference is I do believe this Lynx team is a team that's going to be like an eighth seed playoff team. I do think that they will make the playoffs, not just mm-hmm. because you have a top coach in Cheryl Reeve, but the difference between 
the Lynx and the other team that would be fighting for that eighth playoff spot, which I truly think is going to be like the dream um, or possibly uh, Indiana and whatnot, is going to be that they have a defined MVP in Sylvia Fowles. These other teams have great players, but are still kind of on that building. Like the, the true difference between the Lynx and the Fever is you have Sylvia Fowles, who's one MVP, and then you also have Fee, who's coming off a great season. Yes, I think she's going to grow a little bit more. Obviously, the addition of Zandalassini, um, who is so underrated in this league, and I think she's that player that ever she and uh, and a few other players who come on come overseas are those players who I think you hear about how they're so great, but we're waiting to see that translate in the W. And once we see that. Like like Vidiva, once we see that, I think we're gonna our eyes are gonna be open and this is gonna change our view of the links. That being said, the fact that they were able to to get their draft picks the way they were, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm still confused about Mad Kiki. I like I get the pick, I get what they're doing. Do I think it was a little bit of a reach? Yeah, but their ability to then go out and get some other players who can probably not make the roster, but can at least uh, give some give some positiveness to this roster if they do make the roster. I think it, it is a great positive for this team. Like I said, I think the Lynx make the playoffs. I don't see them making a deep playoff run. If you're lucky, you make you know you win the first do or die game. But I, I don't see them going uh, into the semifinals and really pulling off a surprise there. Especially when you talk about the power structure of this league and the power of some of these rosters. But with the Fever, uh, I mean, I think both these teams are teams that are kind of looking not at this season, but are looking two down the road, maybe three down the road. The Fever have, have a possible MVP, but they need these young players who are possible MVP candidates to really grow. They need these players to step up and show us that they can fulfill their potential. And just because of their youth, of who are the stars of this team, I don't see this Fever team being able to make the playoffs. I don't see this team making that leap uh, for a little bit. Rachel, your thoughts? I mean, you guys are really covering a lot of the stuff that I'm thinking about in my head. Um, I, I, I like, Gabe, your point about Minnesota and kind of the further we are away from free agency, um, I think, you know, helps uh, Minnesota and, and kind of what they're doing. Um, obviously Odyssey Sims playing is a question mark. The, the longer this is postponed, the, the higher likelihood that she is in playing, which, which obviously helps them tremendously. Um, but I agree. I think that it's a very similar look to last year, uh, very similar, probably, uh, season as to last year and, and probably similar finish. You can never really cu- cut a Minnesota Cheryl Reeve team out of the discussion of the playoffs just because, you know, that's just kind of culturally um, what, what Minnesota does, you know, being able to get in there um, maybe, maybe win a playoff game. Um, That's kind of just where I see them that that middle of the pack. I think with Indiana, you know, this was such a monumental, massive, I mean, all, all the big words, right? Like, like the rebuild that had to go on here. And I'm not just saying with Marianne Stanley and with Tamika catchings, I mean, Pokey Chapman had, evolved this team this team had evolved under her her time there uh very slow um growth in terms of the win and loss column but you know had victoria vivian's not gotten hurt before last year i think they have a couple more wins um they're so young but they do have talent 
Um, so I think that, you know, I think that they, they are projecting upwards for sure. Um, but I, I was thinking about this as you guys were talking. It's like, you know, we don't have, in my opinion, maybe you could talk about New York. Um, you know, we could talk about New York, Dallas, um, Indiana, those teams that have really been at the bottom these last couple of years. Um, I just don't feel like at this point we have that anchor of a team that's just like, you know, it's going to be not very great. <laughs> like, like, you know what I'm saying? I feel like every team has gotten better. Um, it's it's gotten more competitive. I feel like every team got better this offseason. Um, every team got better in this draft. And it, I think when you combine some of the coaching changes um, and, and changes within these franchises, yeah, like Indiana is going to be better. I think that um, they're probably still a bottom four team in the league. Um, they're still probably, you know, three to four years out of being a potentially contender type of conversation. And when I say contender, you know, that's one of the top four or five teams in the league. Um, New York, huge question mark. You know what I'm, I mean? That's just, I, I'm excited about what they're doing in New York, but how that roster is going to look and what they're going to do, you have to have them at the bottom of the league just because it's a huge unknown at this point. Um, and that's not to the fault of, of, you know, um, Hopkins or, or Kolb or anything like that. It's just, just kind are. of um, yeah. just the, what they had to do. They just lost. Um, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Dallas, similar thing, you know, so we're talking about like three really big rebuilds here, but I do think they've gotten better. So for me, um, I don't want to shortchange that to these teams, but I don't see any of those three jumping into the playoffs by any stretch. But with Minnesota, I can't ever cross them out, even when the roster is, um, so you're saying as, as much of an unknown as it is right now. Yeah. Uh, no, I just wanted to, I wanted to clarify what, uh, so Rachel, you're saying that um, Indiana, Dallas, and New York are kind of in the same grouping for you. Whereas Minnesota is a little bit higher than them, maybe behind Atlanta. Is that kind of where your head's at? I have, I th- I have Minnesota before Atlanta. I should clarify that. Okay. Um, okay. And, and then I have Atlanta in their own category um, is, is kind of you did because I do think there's talent. Um, and then I have the other three, not far <laughs> below Atlanta. So, so the thing that I kind of wanted to bring up is hearing you guys talk about it is, is I think we all agree Minnesota's kind of in their own and Atlanta's kind of in their own. But talking about the three bottom dwellers, the, the, the three teams uh, that you were just talking about, Rachel, the Fever, the Wings, and the Liberty. Really, I think the Fever got the short end of the draft stick. Because if you think about it, the Wings and the Liberty and the Fever are all in a similar boat of you know, not having necessarily that big, big star power, trying to find a way to get some big star power and build a roster around them. But the Wings and the Liberty had multiple, and I know a lot of people will jump up and say WNBA top draft picks are different than other leagues, but the Wings and the Liberty were in a situation where all three of these teams are trying to jumpstart these teams back to getting into contention, climbing back in the power rankings. But the Wings and the Liberty had multiple first-round draft picks that put them in situations to jumpstart that 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 change for these organizations, for these franchises, when the Fever really only had one top pick in the draft. So I'm curious, maybe I'll let you go first, Gabe, and then Rachel. Like, As far as looking at these teams, do you think after this draft, the Fever are a step behind the Wings and the Liberty just as far as making that change and climbing up the power of this league? 
Well, it depends on when you're looking at this. Do I do I think the fever are behind? No, I don't, because I think the fever filled a, a really big void that they needed to uh, in terms of building for the future, and I think that they have a fresh new face in the organization and a vision of, of getting back to the you know the Indiana Fever way of. Um, and I think you have some consistency there that is now finally, maybe we can begin to discuss that in terms of, you know, players who've been together for more than two years. And then you bring back Vivians. That's a huge shot in the arm. So um, no, I don't have the fever behind them at all. If anything, I think there's an argument to be made that they could be a step above because I, I really do believe in Lauren Cox that much. I think she's going to bring um, a lot of, a lot of value to this league. And I think she's the type of player that can come in and impact the fever from the jump. Interesting that uh, you're a big fan of a big. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I know that's going to surprise everybody. No, and I, uh, I, I, I definitely agree um, with a lot of what you're saying. Although I think my biggest difference between your two views on this is that um, I think it just depends on when you're when you're looking at this, right? The uh, the fever to me are probably going to be better in 2019, or, or this is not 2019. 2020, whatever next season is, um, whenever next season is, will be, uh, the, the fever will probably be better just because they have Candace Dupree, just because they have Erica Wheeler, just because they have players that are more ready to compete. But like what you're saying, Aria, kickstarting the rebuild. And if you're looking at this from 2021 or whenever and beyond, then yeah, I think the Liberty and Dallas have a huge step forward on um, Indiana just because they have, they're, they're, they're set on, you know, a, like five players that they have under contract for the next three years. Whereas I don't think the fever have a um, huge, uh, have that really, really strong core of three players that you can say, okay, this is the rock we're going to build our franchise around for the next three years. You have two of them. But in Minnesota, in New York and Dallas, you have more of them and you have more choices of young players that are going to be on roster longer. So for me, next year, the fever will be better. But going forward, I, I suspect that I'm going to be, I'm going to be saying that um, New York and Dallas are probably going to jump them in the power rankings if everything goes as, we, as we're projecting it right now. Well, if you know anything, it's that we're never wrong about any projections or predictions. Um, so I, I think it's safe to say that this is what's going to happen. Well, and I do think it's interesting, you know, like so much is going to change again. We've never really had, um, a preseason like this where there's so many unknowns and, and, and every team got better in my opinion. Um, and so that's exciting. And we also haven't seen this much movement. So, um, I, I do think that it is kind of a, a unique period of time before we get this 2020 season started Gabe. Um, but I also feel like every team got better but it's still at the end of the day someone has to finish 12th someone has to finish 11th someone has to finish 10th so um, as the league continues to grow the league continues to get better the players continue to improving it better I mean especially you know with the new CBA and movement I mean conversations like this are going to become um, more and more invaluable and it's gonna be crazy because like six months from now we're going to look back on this and just be like, wow, we were completely off. <laughs> yeah. I think looking at this draft more so than past drafts, like everyone knew this player should be on your radar for someone who might be really good this coming season. Like everyone knew fee had that possibility of being really good. I think she has 
you know, you can make that easy comment of she shocked some people that she won it. But like for the most part, everybody really knew uh, who the people were as opposed to this year's draft. I think there's a lot more people who have kind of split up. I, I, like everyone knows Sabrina is going to be really good, but so many people have split into different camps of saying, I'm on this bandwagon, I'm on this bandwagon, I'm on this bandwagon to the point where we're going to, there's so many different strong opinions about who's going to be a cornerstone of their team moving forward. That I think it's going to be really interesting and, and a lot, and it's going to cause a lot more debates. Yeah, I agree. No, I agree. And I, I think there's just, you know, this is all heading into a very, very weird year, which like, you know, Aria, you alluded to it. Like, we don't know if the European players are going to come over. We don't know. Um, you know, it's, it's these, in these uncertain times, I'm sure everyone's really tired of hearing about it, but it's just going to be really hard to even have these power rankings last until like the end of the month. Right. Cause we don't know what's going to happen with the season. So uh, we may be even coming back here in like two weeks and saying something that's very different because of news that we get. Um, so, you know, I, I think this is, this is a fun exercise. And I think it was interesting to see which teams were affected by the draft. Um, if I had to put someone on the, the if I had to pick someone who um, really improved themselves in the draft, it was Atlanta. I, I think they got, they got the player that kind of fits their needs the best as far as competing for a title next year. Um, obviously New York and, and Dallas got the most talent, but those two teams probably aren't going to be ready to compete in um, in the next year. But I really love Atlanta's situation. And um, I did want to ask, you know, this is kind of apropos of nothing because we didn't, we just didn't talk about this before. But I did want to ask uh, Rachel, like, you know, what what's your like main feelings on Atlanta here? I mean, I think with Atlanta, <laughs> one, I wish we could have a reality show um, at their practices and with that team. And I think that that is, that would be some phenomenal yeah, content, but um, you have so much talent and you've got some big time personalities there. And it's kind of this really unique grouping of, of women and characters and names and, and talent. And I think that um, that's really exciting. And, but I also think that's a whale of a roster, right? And not every coach could be able to coach a lot of those different personalities on the team. And how do you mesh them well together? And I do know, in my opinion, um, Nikki Collin is phenomenal at this. And I think that if there is someone to lead um, a roster and, and, and get everybody on that same page and get them to buy into this culture and what she's selling there in Atlanta and, and have this team be a cohesive unit. It's Nikki Collins. She's done it her entire career. Um, so if you're able to kind of um, reel in a lot of this talent, put them, put the pieces together in a way that's, um, you know, strategic and effective um, and works well with one another where everyone has defined roles and they accept their roles and they agree with their roles, whether uh, personally it, it works or not. I, I think it's Nikki Collins. So um, that's the part with Atlanta I'm the most excited about is um, how this new team, um, how these names really um, work together. It's a similar thing with like Las Vegas, you know, last year, how were all these um different names going to work together? How is that going to look? Um, and it was fascinating to watch that evolve, but Atlanta dream is kind of now in that situation, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. But Hey, as we always say, we believe the players in the W and its community deserve the same in-depth analysis and respect that men's sports receive on a daily basis. With that in mind, please consider joining our Patreon community to help support us and the hard work that we do.